Hello guys and welcome to this week's episode of the Transfer News Central podcast with me, Declan Flannery, and my good friends Johnny and James. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. That was really unenthusiastic, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So we've had a crazy week of transfer news yet again because all these sagas do not want to end. So this week we'll be talking about the Griezmann saga. He's finally officially joined Barcelona, but Atletico are disputing the price that needs to be paid. The Delict saga is hopefully coming to an end because Ajax have not included him in their pre-season squad. So hopefully we're expecting an announcement there soon. And obviously back to the um, the best league in the world, the Premier League, as um, Fabian Delphine has moved to Everton. Lukaku and Inter continue their love affair. Will it happen? Will it not? And um, back, uh, to Johnny's uh, ecstatic news that Burnley have finally done some transfer Yay. business. So I think Johnny's happy about that. And um, Aston Villa spending finally reaches over 100 million, which is an outrageous number. But let's start with Griezmann. What do you think is happening there, Johnny? Is it a good move by Barca? Uh, well, I've always liked Griezmann. I think he's one of those players that has the flair, the talent and the flair. But also, when his head's in the game, a very good work rate to go alongside that flair. I think years he's sort of been the poster boy of Atletico Madrid and even for his national team actually France as someone who they look to for inspiration almost like a, a lesser Messi if, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way but when Atletico were sort of looking lost for ideas in, in certain games they looked for someone like Griezmann to be that inspiration that piece of magic to make the killer finish but yeah I think Barcelona taking that on board it's going to be interesting actually because like I say I said this in the podcast before he's very like Messi in that he, he's that guy he likes being the main man I think, I think he thrives off it he's, he's got an ego I don't think there's any doubt about that but I do think generally over the years his attitude has been good as his application has been good as I say working hard off the ball it'll be interesting to see how he transitions then from being that main man at Atletico to being the sort of secondary or even less at Barcelona where obviously Messi's there you've got Suarez as well and potentially even a possible move for Neymar on the cards yeah there's been lots of stories on that I mean if that did happen it'd be interesting to see how all those fitted together but I do think it probably will be a good move for Barcelona I think as I say if he replicates the kind of form he's done for his country and for his and for Atletico Madrid I think he will succeed there he has the as I say the only issue is that his temperament his ego maybe does get sort of knocked a little bit with not being that main guy but then again in the France team with Paul Pogba and with other stars he's still delivered for his country yeah. so maybe I'm exaggerating that a little bit. No that's a that's a really good point and obviously so Atletico Madrid have, have sold Barcelona uh, sold him to Barcelona for about 108 million pounds it seems to be but obviously or is it 180? Atletico yeah, Atletico uh, want about £72 million more. So w- what do you make of this, James? Because I've never really heard of anything like this where it can't be agreed or surely a release clause is a release clause. The way that release clauses work, I think, is that the contracts for Spanish players are not held by the clubs, they're held by La Liga. Okay. So you just go to La Liga's offices, which is what actually happened. There was a video on Twitter yesterday. You go to the Liga's offices, you pay the um, release clause, and then you can talk to the player and they can sign with you. That's that's how release clauses work in Spain. So what I think what happened is that the, the Griezmann's release clause before July the 1st, he signed a new contract last year, which I think was intended for him to leave this summer. Yeah. Where the release clause was like 180 million euros until July the 1st, and then it goes down to 120 euros, something like that. So Atletico's argument is Griezmann agreed this deal with Barcelona before July the 1st. Okay. Even though he didn't actually sign it. Um, The deal was, there's been a few public statements that it was agreed in March between the player and Barcelona. So therefore, they're using that as a way to say we should be getting the full release clause, not the lesser release clause, which came into effect in July. 
I don't think, given especially given the power of Barcelona, I don't think they're going to be able to get any more money. Yeah. Especially now he's actually signed for Barcelona. It's not like they're negotiating a deal and it might fall through. He's a Barcelona player, so possession is nine-tenths of the law, as they say. <laughs> Barcelona will probably not have to pay anything else, but that's the reality. I guess Atletico look like they're fighting for as much as they can get for him, um, which probably goes down well with the fans. But Griezmann's not coming across well with the Atletico fans, I don't suspect, after this. The way it's been handled has been a bit of a mess, but he will be a good signing for Barcelona. I'm pretty sure he will do very well. Yeah, definitely. It already felt like a bit of a mess after last summer when we had this whole silly documentary about the d- the decision. And obviously he, he ended up staying when everyone was sort of expecting him to leave. And now he has left. It does sort of feel like this relationship has ended in the worst possible way because now it's not like, okay, we've just got rid of him. We've got 108 million. We're happy. We're like, no, we're going to drag this even further. Yeah. And the reason this relationship has now turned even uglier is we thought this saga was finally over that had continued for like 600 days or so. Would Griezmann go to Barca and now we're not sure if it's going to carry on even more it just seems really ridiculous especially with how good of a player Griezmann is what crazy turn is this going to take next well I think the part of the reason is it's difficult because he's been at the club a long time Atletico with all due respect aren't that top tier elite level club they seem to be the, just below I suppose you could look at maybe Tottenham or Borussia Dortmund as another example of a really good European club consistently in the Champions League consistently at the top fighting at the top end of the table but not quite in that top level level elite bracket of Barcelona, Manchester City, Juventus, those kind of clubs. And a player like Griezmann probably can only go, he will probably only feel like he can only go so many seasons being the man who's who's carrying everything, being the man who's trying to be that inspiration, the messiah, before he starts to think, well, actually, you know, I want to be fighting for more trophies. I want to be fighting for even more than I am already at Atletico Madrid. And it's also worth noting as well, Atletico Madrid style under Diego Simeone can be quite defence first, defensive minded, shape first in a way it's particularly when they play against the bigger sides it can be quite uh, rigid tough to break down and focus first on structure whereas Griezmann probably feels that to bigger club like Barcelona or Real Madrid where they're playing a certain style they're always trying to entertain the fans but he probably feels his talents are more suited to that so it's a hard one because he has given his a lot to Atletico Madrid and he did do his whole statement last year to stay for another year when everyone else thought he would leave now I don't necessarily like the way he did that I thought it was a bit <laughs> oh look at me kind of mantra yeah. but he did stay when many expected him to leave and now comes the time where I think he said you know what I've been here a long time I want to take that next step at the same time I'm sure the Atletico fans are sort of annoyed at him in a sad kind of way because they realize it is kind of the end of an era he has given so much he is a fan hero and now to see him actually want to make that next step I, I suppose it's kind of upsetting for them to see and obviously the club having just signed Jao Felix for a lot of money will probably be thinking well, you know, can we get even more out of Griezmann, you know, because we've just made this big statement, money signing ourselves as his replacement. I mean, you have to remember that when they unveiled Joe Felix, yeah. they gave him the number seven before Griezmann was even out the door. It just seems that this like relationship has ended in the worst possible way, but it does sort of make you think that with players like Griezmann and Neymar, sort of this refusing to sort of come back for pre-season training, etc. Is there just too much player power with these top level footballers at the moment? This reminds me so much of the Thibaut Courtois thing last year, because all summer he was looking at Real Madrid and 
he kind of said, one minute he said, oh, I'll sign a contract with Chelsea. Next minute he said, I don't want to sign a contract with Chelsea. And then he says, oh, my, my family live in Madrid. I want to go back there. And then he refused to come back for pre-season training because he wanted to force the move. And then mm. it got all messy. And basically, Chelsea fans now hate him. Literally, they call him Snake, basically. <laughs> you look at Eden Hazard, the way he left Chelsea, he was probably... I mean, I think he actually said it as well. Like, I don't want to leave in the same way that Thibaut Courtois left. I want to leave in a positive, healthy way. That's what he did. That's probably an example of a good way to leave a club. Because Hazard was to Chelsea in a way what Griezmann was to Atletico Madrid. And he was leaving for a bigger club. You know, and I say that as a Chelsea fan, Real Madrid is the, probably the biggest club in the world. But he did it in a way which was positive and respectful and, you know, he'd be welcomed back and all the fans still love him. Whereas Griezmann's done the In a way, James, if you trigger that release clause, then the club shouldn't have anything wrong with that because that that, that allows the player to go to the club. Yeah. And also, interesting you mentioned about the number seven shirt being handed over, actually, yeah. as well, prematurely to Jao Felix. Could that not be another suggestion by the club thinking, sort of foreshadowing ahead and then making their point stronger that the deal had already been done? Hence, the, we want another 70 million or so for him, because they're saying, essentially, by giving Felix that number seven, that Griezmann's already out the door before that time period. So it's all it's all quite clever politics, actually, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. I mean, we can criticise Griezmann. I'm sure he probably wishes he had handled it slightly differently. But again, I'm just looking at the facts. They're They've paid his buyout clause. He's said he's happy to go. And who wouldn't be? He's going to Barcelona. As we've said, Atletico are sort of kicking up a fuss at the moment with this £180 million or £108 million. It's like they got the zero and the eight the wrong way around kind of scenario uh, and they're kicking up a fuss there and um, you know the, the, and as, as you said James they give Jao Felix a number seven to say he's out the door so it's getting over politicised it's getting over sort of thought at the end of the day if Barcelona pay your release clause you have to talk to Barcelona and no one says no to Barcelona so it, it's difficult you know it is yeah yeah, no, it's a really good point. I think I think it's something I'd also like to talk about. Like, I think we've spoken about Griezmann quite a lot the last couple of weeks because even though five weeks um, we've been talking about it, it's got been going on way longer than that. But how do you think Griezmann is actually going to fit in now? Now that he's a Barcelona player, how do you expect Barcelona to line up next season with him? I was thinking about it, and um, because they've got quite a lot of attacking talent. Mm. You look at look at them. They've got they've got obviously got Messi. Um, he's pretty good, I hear. Who? Suarez, <laughs> Dembele, who I think is a quality, quality player. He might, he may end up going according to some. Yeah. Coutinho, still got Coutinho. Um, who, and he may end up going according to some. Well, some people are saying that he's not for sale, you know, and which makes me laugh. Like if it was me, this is what I would do. You get, you get James from Chelsea. Four, four, <laughs> two, four, two, three, one, and I would have. I think I like, I like the way that France played with Griezmann because then they had they had Giroud as his target man. And the, 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 he created the space for Griezmann to run into. Yeah, no, it did work um, I well. I think you could, have, you could have Suarez doing that with Griezmann, Messi and Dembele or somebody else behind him. And that's quite an attacking lineup. But it's, in Spanish football, you can get away with playing that, you know. And um, I mean, Messi can play anyway. He can play up front, he can play wide, he can play number 10, he can play, he can play anywhere. Potentially a 4-3-1-2 maybe with like Messi or, or Griezmann as the 10 and the other one as the striker and maybe Suarez as the other striker and vice versa. As I say, it just becomes complicated if reports come true that Neymar does make his way back to Barcelona. It would be absolutely crazy. And then suddenly you're looking at it. I think Suarez becomes the full guy then, actually. Definitely. Oh, definitely, yeah. Because then you'd have, you'd have Neymar, Griezmann and Messi as the, as the front three. And basically. Suarez to come off the bench. Yeah, Suarez <laughs> and Dembele to come off the bench. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's fair to 
say, though, even though he's a, still a very good striker, I don't think he's quite the same Luis Suarez as he once was. I watched him a few times recently, uh, last season in La Liga, and he's, while he's still got the movement, the, the skills, his finishing isn't as good as it was. It's not as it's not as accurate as, he, as it was. I feel like he misses more chances than he used to. At that season for Liverpool, he was unbelievable. And probably, even when he went to Barcelona to make up the MSN trio, even then, I still think that season he had with Liverpool is as good as it got. He carried that on with the MSN, for sure, but honestly, some of the goals he scored in that two, three-year period, unbelievable. But he's not quite that player, I don't think, anymore. I think age is catching up with him a little bit. Still a fantastic player. That would be crazy, wouldn't it, to think that Suarez would become a bench player in the case if Neymar returned. And then, you know, that's just mad, isn't it? It's just an embarrassment of riches. El Clasico is going to be incredible next year. I mean, like, you've got Jovic, Hazard, Vincius. You've got, if Gareth Bale stays, him, like uh, ben, Benzema. Potentially Paul Pogba. With Potentially him. Paul Pogba, yeah. Like, and then you've got Barcelona with what we've just talked about. It's going to be incredible. And Frankie de Jong as well, who's a lovely player to watch, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Frankie yeah. de Jong, yeah, yeah. He's quality, yeah, absolutely. No, I do, I do think it's, it's something to be really be excited for um, um, next season. But give me a sec while I um, warm up my segue. Um, I just need to stretch <laughs> it out a little bit. So, um, obviously, we've been talking about the Griezmann saga. Now, I've got another saga for you, the Delict saga, something that we've spoken again about quite a lot. And it's finally taken another turn now as Ajax set out on their preseason tour of Austria and uh, Matthias Delict's name has not been included in the 28-man list. Does this obviously, this is obviously fueling more and more speculation that a transfer to Juventus is imminent. Is that what you guys see happening? Do you think it's uh, any day now? Well, we talked about this a few weeks ago, didn't we? There were strong reports that had linked him with the Mooty events. And we all said at the time, Maurizio Sarri, a very playing out from the back Pep Guardiola-esque manager. And it, we thought he'd suit that uh, style really, really well. A young player, leader, would probably benefit from the likes of Benucci and Chiellini, strong, powerful presences who've been immense defenders for really long periods of time. So he'd probably benefit from playing and, and working alongside them, developing his own game. And as we say, Maurizio Sarri, as I've said, Maurizio Sarri's style being one that's, as I say, progressive and, and encourages defenders to come out with the ball. I think that'd help him as well because he's, he's, that's what he's used to at Ajax. And it's also interesting, we've been looking at reports. I remember it was, I think it had been said at the time, Barcelona had agreed a fee of about 70 to 75 million pounds before the Juventus talk had come into play. And now it seems like Juventus have agreed a fee for less than that. So it's interesting to see how they've done there with the negotiation. I suspect the remaining might be might be going to um, a certain agent. <laughs> Everyone's favourite agent. Yeah. And I still don't think that the lick will be there for too long. But we agreed at the time, James, didn't we, that club that yeah. would be a good move for him. Yeah. Juventus is a big club which wins things, which can challenge for the Champions League. Right kind of manager for him as well, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Plays the right kind of football. Um, although um, I, I laugh with my friends because um, I remember Mauricio Sarri saying about Callum Hudson-Odoi, he's only 18. No no 18-year-old to play as much as him. No. He won't be ready till he's 22. Mm. You know, players aren't ready till they're 22. You know, so. But he did end up playing quite a lot, didn't he? Towards the end. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there are reasons for that, which probably went to do, with, which went to do with him. Mm. But that's a different story altogether. But I just saying it made me laugh. But, but um, that he's signing an eighteen-year-old. Nineteen. Come on. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he's a quality player and he gets into that. And also, you've got to say with Delic, there is a bit of an exception there. He, people are quoting him as one of the best few centre-backs in, the, in Europe. Whereas Hudson Adoy, of course, is, I, know you were, I know you were, but obviously this isn't just any ordinary 19-year-old. This is a high-end defender who's been talked about in the same breath as some of the legends of the game, even Sergio Ramos. You guys have to remember that he started the Europa League final two seasons ago. Do you know what I mean? Like He's been in that Ajax team for quite a while now. So I think the interest interesting thing to think about from this latest report of him not being included in the list is also fellow rising star uh, Donny van der Beek hasn't been included the Brazilian David Neres and Nicolas uh, Tagliafico have also not been included some of the top players for Ajax but obviously Neres and Tagliafico um, played at Copa America which makes sense them being given extended time but van der Beek is another player that's been linked with a couple of clubs this summer he's still very young so uh, do, do you read any more into it there that also him and van der Beek have been left out? Go on James I'll let you speak uh, well, Van der Beek's been linked with a few clubs in the last few days. Yeah. I've seen him being linked with Real Madrid, I think. Yeah. Linked with him. I thought I thought he was linked with, yeah. Uh, because uh, in case they don't get Pogba, um, there was, I think there was probably an Italian club in there. And Manchester United as well, I think. Yeah, it was earlier in the summer, yes, when he was linked to Manchester United. Um, but he's a good player. Like, there's, there's lots of players. I, I can't believe Hakim Ziyech still hasn't been... Yeah, I know! <laughs> I can't believe he's still at Ajax with his buyout clause. It's like... Well, it's funny because I, I, I remember Ziyech, Ziyech was saying um, he had a love for Arsenal since he was younger, you know. He's, he's basically saying to Arsenal, you know, he said, in a few interviews, oh, I would love to play for Arsenal. I've always... I liked Arsenal since I was a boy, blah, blah, blah. And apparently Arsenal aren't interested because they feel it would take too much of their budget, which is ridiculous, isn't it? I think you have to remember he, is, he has been playing at the Africa Cup of Nations. And I know Morocco are now out. It doesn't stop people looking at Nicolas Pepe, though, does it? Yeah, but the, nothing's progressing, though, is it? It's just more, more rumours because Nicolas Pepe's had a much better season. I guess. I'm not saying anything bad about Zayat, but... Um, no, but different players, aren't they? Different players. Yeah, definitely. But I do feel like it's the same thing we saw the World Cup last summer. Because now there seems to be football on constantly, which is a great thing for all us football fans. But it does slow down mm. some transfers, especially for the Premier League, because that our, our window is now much shorter. And that leads into another one of my awesome segues is the Premier League because we can't get enough of it and we have to talk about it nearly every week because it is the best league. Are you an ambassador for the Premier League now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get that job, but we know it is the best league in the world. And I, I wanted to, probably the biggest transfer news story we've had this week that has continued is Lukaku and Inter Milan. And obviously we know that Inter uh, Milan president, uh, sporting directors flew into London this week to have a meeting with uh, Manchester United representatives about working out a fee and putting in an official offer and it seems that we don't know what the number is there but it seems that it's nowhere near what United want. They want to at least get back what they paid him from Everton so they want to make a profit and it's quite interesting that he didn't play in Manchester United's first pre-season game today in Australia. What do you guys think is going to happen? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? Because it feels very different to the Paul Pogba situation at United. Yeah, I mean, it's different because it, you even saw it the way he came out. I think he was saying, you know, he would be happy to leave, but he would also be happy to stay. I think it was a, he'd said in, not, in an interview not too long ago. And I think you get that sense, you know, he still he was playing quite a lot for United towards the end of last season with under Solskjaer. So there's the sense that he still has some kind of role here. But at the same time, no one I don't think would be surprised if he was um, cast aside because, of, of course, there was the sense that Solskjaer maybe did prefer Rashford and saw Greenwood as a player who he could sort of blood through and maybe play get some more minutes next 
season. I think that it's quite funny in a sense that they pay a lot of money for players and then refusing to admit to certain overpayments, they will um, demand that the other club pays more. In, in many cases, I don't think that's going to work out. I've heard that £90 million for um, uh, Lukaku, I think that was one of the rumours that was suggested. I mean, it's just unrealistic, isn't it? I don't think he's done bad at United, but I wouldn't say he's absolutely progressed since his time with Everton. Well, I think the reasoning is they're just talking about in today's market if all these other players are going, which is fully understandable and it feels like we're definitely getting to that point where the market has to sort of come back down but because of that Neymar yeah. transfer a couple of years ago it's just sent everything crazy and we're seeing certain players no offence to him but look at someone like Tyrone Mings that has just moved to Aston Villa 20 million pounds now this is a player that could not get in the Bournemouth squad I'm not saying he's a bad player he had a very good season last year in the championship but 20 million pounds yeah I know I know I just think that with Lukaku it's an interesting one because it's not like he's unsettled at United but there is a sense that but half it is a strange one and obviously Inter have a lot of money to spend and under you know they've got they've got rich owners now Antonio Conte has always been an admirer of Lukaku at the same time I don't know I'll ask you Dex you're obviously a Man United fan. am I would you consider Lukaku to be a 90 million pound investment because for me I feel like there are better value strikers out there oh, no, no fully I, I fully agree with you and 90 million I think it's just the whole prospect of them trying to at least make a profit and get their money back I don't think he's worth 90 million at all I don't think he was probably worth the 75 million they paid a couple of years ago from Everton even a very different United now from when United bought Lukaku they've changed again so much in a couple of years and I guess it's that worry that is he going to be that understudy to Rashford because as far as you see it Rashford is the main striker there but it also depends what formation Solskjaer is going to be playing moving forward because I think United fans would quite like to see uh, maybe two up front something a little different a bit because obviously with Sir Alex Ferguson we always saw a classic 4-4-2 which is something we just don't really see anymore especially in the Premier League especially when you've got another player like Anthony Martial that probably does want to play more of a centre forward role and has always played that left wing position so he's definitely not worth that price but you can't blame United for trying to get that money back at least in today's market I think it's a good situation really with Lukaku in the sense that he's not kicking up a fuss in wanting to leave he's happy to stay and play and it generally like we saw at the end of last season he, he was contributing quite well for United in a way his attitude was good so they're in a situation where they can demand this money because he's not desperate to leave I think you get the sense that Solskjaer would probably be happy to keep hold of him because he is a goal scorer and if they provide if you provide chances to Lukaku more often than not as we say he will get on the end of that and he will score goals can hold the ball relatively well as well so he is a useful player to have at his disposal and you know I don't think anything's set with Lukaku at the moment everyone seemed to be convinced that he was going to leave but if the club wants to play hardball with Inter and want to demand more money then they're well within as we say they're well within the rights to do that because Lukaku himself isn't desperately pushing for a move and probably would slide back into Solskjaer's plans if he wasn't sold and you can imagine him playing quite a bit next season and, and you know delivering someone yeah definitely That like United have got a lot of games to play next year with the Europa League as well and I, I think everyone's really excited to see more of Mason Greenwood he's still only 17 do you know what I mean he's got a long way to go but he scored over 30 goals for the under 23s last season I think there's definitely going to be chances for him and Lukaku if he does stay but the other question I want to get to you guys is so James how different do you feel the Lukaku saga is to the Paul Pogba um, saga do you feel like there's a big difference or is it um, quite similar I think it's different because well the agent is different for a start off and the <laughs> way that he's gone about it has been a bit better I mean he's made pretty clear that he would prefer to go and he would like to work with Antonio Conte you know it's like a bromance that's been brewing for about three or four years and he's still not 
work together, but they both wanted to. Um, he wanted him at Juventus. He wanted him at Chelsea. Now he wants him at Inter. So I think he would like to go, and he's made that clear. Yeah. But I think he would also come back and be professional if it fell through. And do you not see that with Paul Pogba? Well, no, no I've got that. Let me finish. <laughs> I think Paul Pogba would come back and, and play if, if it fell through. But with Paul Pogba, there's always this soap opera around him, like with his agent making comments and he makes comments. And every year he's coming out with something. And last year when Mourinho was there, there were these talk of like he wanted to go to Real Madrid or Barcelona. There's always going to be in the background with him. It's always going to be his head's being turned. He wants to go somewhere else. He's looking elsewhere. Like, is he, I mean, like Pogba is potentially, on his day, is a world-class player. Lukaku is not quite at that level. He's a very good player, though. I rate him very highly, but he's not going to play for Real Madrid. So that's what I mean. And yeah. I think Pogba doesn't want to be sitting playing in the Europa League for a team that is not going to challenge for the title this year and probably not next year either. He wants to win things now. He's in, he's in his prime. I don't know how old he is. What, 25, 26? He wants, to be, he wants to be winning the big trophies now. He wants to be yeah. winning the Champions League. He yeah. wants to be winning league titles. I can't blame him for wanting to go. I mean, I, I want like Real Madrid is the biggest club in the world. But the way he's going about it is not not the best. And I mean, what I've heard is Juventus has now pulled out because Man United have set this stupid price of £180 million, which is just it's almost as big as Neymar, which, you know, I mean... Yeah. I don't, I don't know how how Madrid would afford that, but I'm sure they could find a way. In Pogba's defence, though, I mean, there's been reports this week saying that on the tour, on the preseason tour, so he's gone with United. He went on the tour. He was signing lots of fans' autographs. He was uh, there to take photos with them, which I suppose you you could say everyone should do, but not every player does do that. You know, particularly if they try to stay out of the spotlight. But he was happy to sign autographs, and take photos. He was apparently very, very impressive in training. Scored world class scissor kick in in training, and uh, much to the surprise of some of his teammates uh, it was unbelievable and apparently his attitude was really really good so um, you know I, I think there's, there's two sides to every story I mean you compare that with Neymar who doesn't even turn up to training or even Lauren Koscielny who doesn't even turn up to training and you sort of do think well maybe he could have dealt with it a bit better maybe if his agent wasn't Mino Rael then maybe he would have dealt with the situation slightly better from Pogba himself and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has come out and uh, I, whatever we think about whether he might be a bit of a puppet for the Glazers or not he's come out and said you know what Paul Pogba for him there's been no no sign of a rift really he, he says that he always tries hard in training he, he gives a good effort on the pitch whether you know some people might disagree with that based on some performance at the end of last season but it's clear he's got the managers back and he suggested there was maybe a bit of an agenda against him yeah today he actually got an assist in their first friendly game so he, he's definitely still up for it and still wants to play which is good because he should he should want to play football regardless but for me it does sort of remind me a bit of a few years ago when a man named Wayne Rooney handed in a transfer request at Manchester United and it does sort of feel like that where he needed reassurances from United that they were serious and they wanted to challenge for a trophy again and it does sort of remind me of that so do you feel like if Pogba was given the reassurances if they made a few more signings this summer if they pushed and had a good season maybe gave him the captain's armband again as a sweetener do you think we could see Pogba staying? Uh, I've, I've heard rumours today that Solskjaer wants to give him the captaincy I, I saw that I don't know whether he said that or whether that's just a rumour that's come out of the game the weird thing about Paul Pogba is he could be quite a good captain he was captain last season, wasn't he, to begin with? Yeah. And he, Until Mourinho stripped it off him, yeah. Yeah, and he, he's a guy that needs to feel, first, he needs to feel like he's wanted and valued and important. And second, he needs to feel like he's at a place where he can achieve his ambitions. So if Solskjaer can convince Pogba of that, and if Man United, if Man United, say, say Man United go out and buy Fernandez, they get Maguire, and they get a, maybe another attacking player. Get Sean Longstaff. Another attacking <laughs> player, then... 
How much? Then you get those three <laughs> players. Get three. Get those three top players. Maybe it's just something. Maybe he'll look at that and say, "Well, okay, this is good ambition from the club. Maybe I'll give it another season." But. It's hard because I think United are at a stage where I'd feel like the dressing room is... A, I feel like they need to sort of rip it up and start... We've, we've discussed this before. Yeah. They need to kind of rip it up and start from scratch a little bit. I do feel a bit... I, I do feel a bit sorry for Paul Pogba because I do actually think there is a bit too much... There is, I, I kind of half agree with Solskjaer in that there isn't... I don't think Mino Rayola helps, but I do think there is a bit too much focus on Paul Pogba, an expectation almost, because he, you know, he isn't Lionel Messi. He isn't someone who could carry the team every single week. You know, other players have to step up as well and if Pogba has a bad performance or, or an average performance he gets the most attention which is fair enough he probably is United's best outfield player but it is a team game and other players have to sort of contribute and allow for some more creativity on the field but again it's hard because I, if, if I'm United as I say I just want now to go back to basics and to have players who are running the yards, who are outrunning the opponent, who are giving their all on the pitch, who are maybe not the most world-class technical players, but they're obviously the competently technical players, obviously decent on the ball, but first and foremost, that they're going to give blood, sweat and tears for the shirt, because I think it's got to that stage where we're seeing it last season and we're seeing it in other parts, that there were too many players who didn't seem to have the head in the game, and sometimes I, f- I feel like, you know, we, we've talked about the wage structure time after time, we've talked about how the players are mollycoddled by the club, the club need to get, I've said it so many times, the club need to get hard, with the players, they need to get players in who are willing to earn the wage instead of being fed it straight away. Yeah. And they need to change the ethos. So, in a way, as much as Paul Pogba is the best player at the club and as much as I would like him to do well, because I think he's a really good, easy, great player, I feel like because of the mistakes United have put forward with their ideology, with their foundations, I feel like it's up to them now to sort of rip it up and go again and change the idea of winning things now and just let's start by being competitive again. Let's start by making baby steps this season, building towards something instead of trying to throw the kitchen sink at it again and failing miserably. Okay, yeah, I I fully agree with what you said, Johnny. Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, So probably something that might get Johnny stood up and out of his chair now so let's um let's talk about oh, i don't know i am tired <laughs> let's talk about burnley fc how busy uh they've been this week with um two oh i've been very busy important Jack. signings to be fair <laughs> in um in, they've signed the left back eric peters from stoke city for about a million pounds just under and then um they've also they've re-signed jay rodriguez he's come home from west brom for five million pounds so let's get the resident burnley expert in here and um and sort of pick apart these transfers for us so eric pete he sort of does what it says on the tin really he was out of favor with stoke last year and a lot of stoke fans were actually upset with that they felt he should have been playing but there was sort of a change in manager the new manager comes in and he sort of he prefers a more technical minded uh, left back and as a result he sort of cast away i think he was sent out on loan to france to sort of play and, he, and it was in his deemed surplus to requirements this season with the new manager at the helm at stoke so burnley come in for him on the base is that he's going to be a backup to Charlie Taylor who is the main left back at Burnley uh, he had an excellent season last season one of Burnley's best players consistent really from uh, the first few games of the season to the last which is something that not something that could be said for many of the players last season you know there was a lot of inconsistency across the squad but Charlie Taylor was excellent uh, he'll continue to progress I think next season continue to um, develop his game still very young will probably want to work on his final ball a bit more gets into some great positions but a really good really good left back and it's important as with Stephen Ward leaving 
Kane actually going to Stoke, ironically, on a free transfer. Uh, then Burnley replace him with Stoke's second choice in that position. But Peter's, a, you know, he's very much a Phil Barnsley kind of left back in a way. Uh, he's sort of, you know what you're going to get, grit. Was that a compliment there, Johnny? Was that a compliment? No, it is, because, because you know, you're going to get grit, you're going to get determination, you're going to get, he's not going to be the prettiest. I remember people were saying, the Stoke fans loved him until I remember Mark Hughes, when he was a Stoke manager, wanted to play with wing-backs and he, he played Peters at wing-back and it did not work at all for obvious reasons. He's not the most gifted with the ball at his feet. He's not going to be, he's not he's not fit for the wing-back position, but as a full-back, as a physical-minded full-back, he's going to do the job. So, very sensible signing, £1 million, going to back, be back up for the main guy. That's fine. Jay Rodriguez, £5 million initial fee with £5 million guaranteed next season, so it comes to £10 million altogether. Yeah. I think it's quite a clever signing, you know, 29 years old, £10 million for a player who not too long ago was attracting quite a lot of teams. I mean, last season, Burnley actually had a £16 million bid turned down for Rodriguez. So uh, now 12 months later, he's banged in 22 goals in the championship and now, and now Burnley's got him for £10 million. I imagine that clause was re- was inserted into his contract after West Brom found out that they weren't, al- they weren't coming back up to the Premier League. So obviously, I imagine Rodriguez had that in- inserted just in case they didn't get promoted, which, which of course they did. Didn't. Burnley swooped in on that and generally the fans are quite happy with that. They were a bit disappointed not to get Che Adams, who went Southampton, yeah. younger player, you know, with a lot more years left in him, very, very exciting talent. He went for 15 or 16 million pounds around that transfer fee. That was generally considered, the fans were generally quite annoyed because Burnley had been heavily linked with him. It was apparent that the club weren't willing to pay 20 million pounds uh, for the fee. So there was that understanding. And then to see him go for 15 million, it had upset a few of the fans, but they were quite happy, I think, and content, you know, Rod Rodriguez at 10 million, five this year, five next year. He's considered to be quite good value for money. He's obviously used to play for Burnley. He's a homegrown talent. He's a Burnley fan. So the fans love him. He'll be, I think he'll be extra determined really to um, to impress because he's aware, I think, that there have been skeptics since his injury at Southampton that have curtailed his, really ended his Southampton career in many ways. He fell down the pecking order. D- didn't quite have that same desire to take players on, that same burst of pace that he had before the uh, crucial injury, which kept him out of the World Cup as well. He was in contention for the England squad uh, and he missed that unfortunately as a result as, and he ended up leaving Southampton went to West Brom again it was, he, he was never quite the same player as before that injury he'll be looking to prove a few of those doubters wrong does he go straight into the start 11 I'm not sure Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes were excellent really in, in many ways they might not be the most easy on the eye of strikers either of them what they were doing is consistently delivering results they didn't play for the full season they actually came into the season as a partnership sort of late December time and they both managed to get double figure tallies in, which I think is quite impressive for a bot- struggling bottom half Premier League team so I wouldn't be surprised to see them carrying on their partnership and then unlike Peter Crouch who was 38 where Wood and Barnes knew really they pretty much had a guaranteed place in the 11 week in week out this time they're both going to be have to be on the toes a little bit more because Rodriguez is genuinely someone who can come in and take their place because we know that he's got qualities oh no I can definitely see him coming off the bench and, and grabbing a few important goals for Burnley next season 100% but do you think because I think earlier in his career we've seen him play on that left side sometimes could you see him doing that for Burnley no I think um, McNeil has that left side down to a T at the moment. He's he was one of Burnley's shining lights towards in that second half of the season. I mean, he's been linked with Juventus. He's been linked with a few other clubs. He's he shows no fear. He'll take on any fullback. I remember he gave he gave Trent Alexander Arnold a bit of a torrid time at Anfield. He wouldn't stop taking him on. He had showed no fear. Like I say, lots of pace, lots of confidence, and his final ball's pretty good too. And I think that's only going to get better with uh, the more games that he plays. But um, Burnley have had a problem, I think, with wingers 
wingers who or wide men who just seem a bit scared or not confident enough to take on the, the opposing fullback. Uh, Robbie Brady, or maybe doesn't have the pace. Robbie Brady, Goodmanson often likes to come inside, but doesn't necessarily beat his man for pace. But McNeil, you know, they played Hendrick actually on the right midfield position, which was like quite a conservative move by Dyche. Instead of Goodmanson, it angered a few fans really. But that allowed McNeil just the license to say, right, every time you get the ball, just keep running at your fullback. We don't care about position or shape. You keep running at your fullback, your opposing fullback, and you keep crossing the ball in. And, you know, that license, extra license he got, he really took advantage of that. So I don't think that Rodriguez is going to be playing left mid. Even then, you've got Robbie Brady, who's got the experience. Maybe not being as impressive for Burnley in, 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 last season. In fact, he was quite poor. He struggled with injuries. But he'd still have a point to prove on the left-hand side as well. I feel like it's just going to be up front for Rodriguez. That's, um, they shut me down big time there, but that's a really good point, actually. I feel like we've already spoken too much about Burnley because I was starting to fall asleep a bit. Um, but I thought we'd sort of give you your little moment um, one week around. Although, to be fair, a good segue for you here. A good segue for you here. Well, no, I've, I've already got one, Johnny. I've, I've already got one. I've noticed that Burnley playing Claret and Blue... Another team that play in Claret and Blue, Aston Villa, their spending has gone over a hundred million pounds now, James. What do you what do you think of this? I think they've bought really, really wisely. I really do. When you look at the players they've bought, well, some of them are players that they had on loan, Tyrone Mings. Which is good. Yeah, no, I'm just I think it's a really that's a really good thing. Players that they already know, that are already integrated, that are already part of the team, that that already know the system, that already know the manager, the coaching staff, everything makes I mean Tyrone Mings is I, I watched him in the playoff final. And he was superb. Uh, he was absolutely superb. I couldn't believe that he couldn't get in the, the Bournemouth team. I was like, this is this guy's easily good enough for the Premier League and to be starting every week. And uh, I think he had a lot of in- injury issues. That's why he never really made it at Bournemouth. Yeah, that's right. But you can see why Bournemouth would have wanted a player like him because he's good on the ball. He's, you know, he's, obviously he's a good attitude, works hard. He fits really well with, with, uh, with what Bournemouth do. Yeah. Um, and he's, I think he's going to be a really, really important signing for them. They've made a, quite a few other signings as well. And like a lot, I, mean, I didn't realise it had been a hundred million mm. Um, mm. until, you know, until like somebody said it on Twitter. It was like, really? They spent that much already? Um, you know, I mean, some of the players that they've bought, it's really, really good. They bought um, this guy from uh, Wesley from, from uh, Club Rouge. He played a few games against Dortmund in the Champions League last season. So a, a player with European experience who, who's still very young. If he could be anything, it reminds me of Benteke coming out of the Belgium League. If he could be anything similar to the Benteke that we saw at Aston Villa. And not the Benteke at Palace. No, and incredible. He, he scored in the preseason friendly yesterday, Johnny. He's ready for this season. He's coming back. But no, I completely agree with you, James. I feel like these signings are really positive. A lot of young players like Matt Target, Esri Konza from Brentford, and then a couple of those important players that played a role in promotion last season, El Ghazi and, and Mings, and also Courtney House, who maybe didn't play as much as Mings's and Tuanzebe, who's gone back to United, but Courtney House could definitely be a good young centre-back um, to bring off the bench from them that they've signed from Wolves. There's also rumours from, from Birmingham that they're, they're looking at um, Gary Cahill as well, okay. which I think would be a very good sign-in. Experience, knows the Premier League, um, he's a leader, obviously has a good relationship with John Terry. Yep. Uh, from Chelsea 
And that's the Lewis's old club, wasn't it? Yeah, that's where he started out. Yeah, that's where he started out all those years ago. It's actually quite amazing when you go. Kev got quite an interesting journey in football when you actually look at it. He... Actually, they're also heavily linked with a move to bring it back to Burnley for Tom Heaton. <laughs> yes, they are. Was that your segue? That would be my segue, yeah. And... Okay, touche, touche. John is the master of segue. But... I, am, I am the master of segue, thank you. I'm trying my best here. But I feel like there was apparently a £7 million bid on the table. Burnley are sort of, well, Sean Dyche said we're in, a club that's in no pressure to sell which is essentially saying up your bid in that kind of speed <laughs> but I think if they bought it for something like £10 million that would be a really really good signing because you know Tom Heaton is not just a good shot stopper but he's a fantastic leader personality in the dressing room and on the pitch he, you know he's always barking orders to his defenders in, in a nice way but always he, he marshals his defenders really well he keeps people organised particularly on set pieces that's really important as I'm sure you already know his shot stopping capabilities are excellent his distribution is very good actually as well it's a probably an underrated feature of his it might not be quite Jordan Pickford for England or, or, or Edison or Alisson all, all of those are very very high level with their distribution but it's certainly better than some goalkeepers and it, particularly for Burnley actually it's quite impressive that he manages to kick the ball quite like long distances and picks out a man with relative ease it's not always as it, I know you may laugh but that isn't as easy as it sounds Nick Pope for yeah. example who is going to be it looks like after getting a four-year extension it, it seems like the club have put their eggs in his basket which is why the heat and speculations mount up by giving Pope that four year deal, the club are basically saying you're our long term number one and saying to Heaton, Well, actually, you know, they're putting doubt in Heaton's mind because his contract has one year left. After that, there's going to be uncertainty because, as we say, the club have backed the younger player in a similar way, I suppose, James, to Courtois and Czech in, in, in a way. The two very top level goalkeepers, Chelsea backed Courtois and Czech, had to leave because obviously he deserved to be playing, you know, first team football. Obviously, the, the sorry, Johnny, the player that does seem to be taking it over this whole. Hundred million pound mark is going to be Douglas Louise, a youngster from Man City, who obviously I don't think many people would have heard of, but he had a, a, a very fruitful year at Sporting Garona in La Liga last season. So he, he played every single game for them in the league. So he's definitely coming with a bit of experience, even though he's 21, and he could be uh, an interesting player to line up alongside um, Connor Hurrihan and um, and John McGinn. He could add a bit of Brazilian flair to the Aston Villa team in the Premier League. Uh, what do you guys think of that transfer? That's a really impressive transfer. Mm. Man City have produced a lot of quality players from their academy, but they just don't need to use many of them. Yeah. I mean, like you think about it, they let Jordan Sancho go. Is that Jaden Sancho's brother? Yeah, sorry, I meant <laughs> Jaden Sancho. That'll be helpful. I'm not <laughs> that down, will I? They let Jaden Sancho go and nobody bats an eye because they've got such a good squad. They're dominant, completely dominant in um, domestic football. You know, they're still struggling a bit in Europe, but but nobody. Um, Jaden Sancho had a great season, but no one, no one's saying, "Oh, City made a mistake," because City are dominant. They've got a few. I mean, they they they'd sold a player. They sold a left back, and I've forgotten his name to PSV last year, and they've bought him back this summer. Yeah, yeah, which was a clever bit of business. Uh, and then there's other there's other players that they've they've let go from their academy. But obviously people aren't worried because they're doing so well. But the players that they let go are good players. I mean, I remember like watching uh, Chelsea in the Youth Cup. We dominated it for six years. At least two or three of those finals, we played Manchester City. Um, yeah. And some of the players that were playing for Manchester City are players that are now doing really well elsewhere. And Foden was part of that. So they've got a really great academy. It's just that they've got a squad where they don't need to use the academy. But they can use the academy in another way to bring in money, to... Balance financial fair play, etc. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's a I think it's a great signing. Yeah, 
Can I ask you guys a quick question? Where do you guys think Aston Villa finish next season in the Premier League? I think bottom half, but I think they survive. I think it's. Um, I think they've got. They're assembling a really, really good squad at the moment, and I think, as as James has said, they're spending money very wisely, bringing in permanent signings that, that were loan signings last year. So there's less of an integration period, as we said. I think that they would have probably liked to get have got Tammy Abraham actually, who got I think 26 goals from them last year. But I think felt that with the situation Chelsea were in, that they would really be, you know, it would it would be very difficult to prize him off them. So they're probably be looking at... And that's why they bought Wesley, I feel. I feel like Wesley is that replacement. Yeah, I do think that. But of course, you know, with that, there is slightly more doubt that will he be able to replicate his form in England? There is always a doubt, I think, with Brazilian talents and with, obviously, you, you know, he's uh, very talented. But there is always a doubt with, with some of these... Uh, foreign signings when they haven't uh, experienced English football and they're coming to a club like Villa who are going to be even though they spent a lot of money trying to simply survive and try and do it in a, in a good way I guess yeah. because Dean Smith is the manager but I think they will I think they'll fi- I think they'll finish above the rele- I think they'll finish quite comfortably above the relegation zone I don't think we're seeing a Wolves I really don't think we're going to be seeing a Wolves okay. I feel like Wolves were exceptionally good last season I feel like they had in Ruben Neves they had a top midfielder well we, we already knew that they got Jao Moutinho in they had that Portuguese connection he's got all the experience and the the difference with um with Wolves was that they brought the players that they came up with came a year before in the championship do you know what I mean so they'd already been in the club a year so playing in the Premier League making a big difference James where do you think um Aston Villa finish next season I think they'll finish a solid mid-table. I don't think like I don't think they're going to do a Wolves like Johnny said for the same reasons they've got a decent squad They've got a solid Premier League squad, and I think they'll stay up comfortably. They won't be fighting relegation, I don't think. And you know they'll probably finish like like tenth, eleventh, yeah. twelfth, something like that. And if they're lucky, they'll break into the top half. But they'll have a solid season. They'll you know they'll stay up, and then next summer I think they'll go and spend again, and they'll imp- and they'll try and build something over the next couple of years. You know, um, on Tommy Abraham, I don't think they were ever going to. I think Chelsea told them that they that he was staying at Chelsea this season. Probably with the transfer ban, I think that's why. Exactly. With the transfer ban, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's he's in contention to to be to, to become one of the first choice strikers this summer at Chelsea. So I don't think that, and he wants to go back to Chelsea anyway. He's, he said publicly he wanted to try and make it at Chelsea. So I don't think that was ever going to happen. So and Villa have done well. They've got someone in to re- to replace him in the team. Sorry to stick on Aston Villa for so long, but like, do you not see a bit of a comparison with what Fulham did last summer, where they they spent a lot of money? They spent over a hundred and twenty million, I think it was in the end, and it did not help them. What I would say with Fulham, though, is that they got a lot of new loan players in, like Callum Chambers and uh, Sergio Rico, and they signed two goalkeepers. And it was weird because they seemed to do goalkeeper rotation with three keepers, Marcus Bettinelli, Sergio Rico, and uh, Fabri, I think, as well. They rotated the three of them throughout the season. So that showed there was an inconsistency in goalkeeper because they all seemed to have good points and bad points, all three goalkeepers. So none of them was the obvious number one. That was one issue, uh, a lack of consistency. But that was across the whole lineup. They had too many players almost and they signed virtually a whole new starting 11 when the season started a lot of these players who were coming in on loan I think Mitrovic is, a, is an exception because he was on loan and they signed him permanently. He actually didn't do too bad. But many of the other loan players that they brought in and signings hadn't been with the club initially. So they were starting the season with almost like 10, 11 players to integrate into the first team. And there was just a lack of cohesion completely. And 
people like Jean-Michel Seri um, from uh, Nice. Nice. He was from Nice, yeah. And he was excellent for Nice, I thought. And he was actually linked with some of the big clubs in England. It looked like an absolute coup for, for Fulham. Problem was, it was it was like, he started quite well the season. But as soon as it, things weren't going quite well, it's similar to QPR when they sang quite a few big name players. They just their attitude wasn't there. The fight wasn't there. The hunger wasn't there. It was almost like, I'm better than this. I should be playing for a club that's going to be staying relatively well in the Premier League, not struggling right at the bottom. And I think yeah. Fulham just got too many players. They got a bit, they went a bit money crazy and almost getting players for the sake of getting players without any cohesion, without any idea of how it was all going to gel together. With Villa, I feel like there's a plan, even though the money is being spent, there's much more of a plan. Some of the players have already been at Villa, which helps. And the players that are being brought in generally, we feel, I think me and James, and probably you, Dick, would agree, are players who have a good attitude, who who don't carry that ego. And there seems to be, like I say, there seems to just be more of a plan in place. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I agree 100% with all of that. There's a clear strategy and a plan and they're getting people with the right attitude, with the right character. Um, they're getting leaders. Um, you look at the players they're targeting, a lot of them are leaders. Um, I think as well, like, John Terry being in the coaching staff at Villa makes a difference because he's got the right character, the right mentality. He brings players have said that he brings it out in them as well. I remember like Tammy Abraham and Tyrone Mings both said that. Yeah, I think there's a much more stability at Villa. Dean Smith's a manager, of course, with used to manage Brentford. Likes to play football in the right way, doesn't he? And I feel like uh, they might entertain, not maybe, not maybe overplay, but entertain in a, in a way that it would be very. Well, it's very different, wasn't it, to the Steve Bruce days of the season before, where it was a lot more direct ball, and uh, they almost got up playing that way. But it was a very different style to what they used to now. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a good season for Aston Villa, relevant of where they finish. I think that for Aston Villa fans, they'll just be excited to be back in the Premier league for especially for someone like myself i've grown up with aston villa always being a premier league team and it was weird when they got relegated because they'd always been a mainstay in the premier league since its inclusion in 1992 so i feel like it's exciting to see them back and exciting to see them have this sort of fun squad and I've, i imagine it is quite exciting um to be an aston villa fan again i guess we've got a very good derby to look forward to there with aston villa Wolverhampton um, in the season but um, I just want to go one final topic before we wrap up um, and stick with the sort of um, claret and blue trend look at a quite reported um transfer this um, week is uh, West Ham United and trying to find a, a replacement for Marco Arnautovic who's now gone to China. Obviously they were originally linked with Maxi Gomez for the past three or four weeks and that seems to have fallen through now even though apparently they're still interested but now their attention has turned to Germany and in the Frenchman Sebastian Haller from Eintracht Frankfurt. Obviously Chelsea fans will be quite um, familiar with him after his good performances against um, Chelsea in the Europa League. He scored 20 goals in all competitions last season. What do you guys think of this do you think he could make it in the Premier League I think he's a quality player Jovic got all the headlines last year for good reason because he's a top class player I think he's, I think he's going to be a, a world-class striker in a not yeah. long distant time um all Chelsea fans all wanted to sign him um but we also I think a lot of Chelsea fans liked Haller as well when we saw him he's a quality yeah. striker and he's young he's going to improve and Pellegrini is an attacking manager. He's got some good attacking yeah. players there as well um, at West Ham who can supply him with chances. I think that would be a really, really good signing for West Ham. Do you agree with the sort of £40 million price that's being suggested? Yeah. I, th- I think West Ham are looking though, aren't they, for that statement signing. They always seem to do that. Uh, and obviously Pellegrini is a manager who has previous with working with top level players and, and he almost carries that sort of ability to attract their names such as this, you know, for them because people want to work under someone who's 
formerly managed Manchester City, Real Madrid and such. And, he, you know, I think he's a very understated manager, Pellegrini, actually. He goes about his business quietly, but you get the sense he wants to build something quite special with West Ham in a similar way to what he did with Malaga. So it will be yeah. interesting to see if they, can, if they can pull this one off. I'm sure they would like to. They want someone who's got the attitude, which I know to which clearly didn't towards the end, as the tweet <laughs> suggested. Uh, just yes, before we yes. do, I, I've just got one more thing we should probably mention. It's the Koscielny thing. Okay. That ties in quite well, segue, with bad attitudes. And obviously, <laughs> someone asked me on Twitter today, actually, someone who actually listens to this show, one of the uh, followers. Of, of fabled listeners. Yeah. Uh, one of the two listeners that listens <laughs> told us, that do, is Koscielny still a club legend after what's gone on? Oh, I think it's really difficult because he's um, he's been a, a really, really great servant for Arsenal. And even for all the dark times, I feel like it's always been to be an Arsenal fan in recent memory. He's He's always sort of been there and been reliable, especially when they've had centre-backs recently that, that haven't been so reliable, as I'm sure um, some Arsenal fans would be happy to tell you. Um, but it's just a real shame that, obviously, they've been discussing something for a while with the club and that he wanted to leave this summer. And um, it's a real shame that it's going to end this way and it's going to end quite ugly because it does really tarnish that legacy that he sort of had at Arsenal and he has been a great servant but unfortunately I feel like the damage is already done Well they said actually the two things that David Ornstein said about this Koscielny uh, situation was that he was he wasn't happy with how he was how his minutes were managed after returning from Achilles injury in December he wasn't happy with how his playing schedule was managed and he wasn't happy with the overall direction of the club and the team you could probably understand that a little bit judging by the lack of a budget that's been given to Emery maybe but then again I think was particularly keen on the way Emery's managed him personally so there's a bit of a there's friction with the manager a little bit but also friction with the hierarchy of the club exactly but I, I feel like Arsenal fans are yes. can be quite unforgiving and even though they can appreciate what he's done it's not a good example to set when you're club captain um, and it, that's why it feels like there's no coming back from it yeah I think there's no coming back from something like that yeah fans are generally quite unforgiving um, I still think there's a he probably could have handled Definitely. it better I don't think I, I don't think he's that kind of player, if that makes sense. You know, he's not. But I think he's just felt like I've backed into a corner. I've got no choice. This is the only thing I can do to declare my intentions. Exactly. And I kind of sympathise in that he wants to to move and go back to France and play more regularly. And that he could. And certainly, being frustrated with Arsenal's ambition. Yes. Arsenal yes. fans generally will be frustrated with that. And I think actually a lot of fans, Arsenal fans, would be more frustrated about the the lack of ambition from the club than than this this is just just another kind of the reason there's probably such hatred about this is because fans are frustrated yeah. at the lack of ambition by the club i mean there was, i saw an article yesterday somebody shared with me that of uh, how Kwonky is not willing to release money not willing to spend money um at arsenal he's he's not willing to let sanction that he's not willing to put any of his own money into um to back the club and that is why yeah. they've got such a small transfer budget and i just thought like Obviously, I support a rival team. So, but as much as in terms of from an objective point of view, you have to feel sorry for Arsenal fans because Arsenal is a great club. It's a big club with big history, and they shouldn't. And there should be much fully. And we we discussed money and Arsenal quite a bit last week, and it was quite interesting to get both of your points of views across as well as my own. But I'll try and finish with one sort of quick question, so we can sort of go back to the transfer news. Where do you think Laurent Koscielny plays next season? In France. Give me a team, Johnny. Come on. Um, I don't know. I mean... Don't play hard to get. 
I think he was linked with Bordeaux, actually, wasn't he, um, recently? Okay. And that's the kind of club, I think. I don't think it's definitely not PSG because this Lauren Koscielny is a little bit over the hill. One of the reasons why I think there is such an uproar is because, as bizarre as it sounds, even the fact that he's past his prime, he's still probably Arsenal's or one of Arsenal's most reliable centre-backs. And that's, yeah. and that's why there's an annoyance there almost. And, and the club show no signs, even with the young the youngster Saliba from St Etienne, even if they pull that one off. You know, they they that deal off. They then risk losing him alone for a season. So it's just madness. Yeah. It, it's, it's just so frustrating if you're an Arsenal fan at the moment. But I would say a higher end French club. You're saying Bordeaux. You're saying Bordeaux. That's what that's what you're saying, Johnny. Where do you think, um, James? Where's your where's your pick out of the twenty teams? I was. Um, I read an article saying that the three clubs in France that wanted him were Bordeaux, Lyon, okay. and Rennes. And so any of those three, probably, I mean, it's from the Telegraph, so it's pretty reliable, pretty reliable source. So I would say a club of that kind of level in France, I, he won't get, I, I don't, PSG, no, not at all. Um, definitely not, uh, especially with his injury record. So yeah, one of those kind of clubs in France and yeah, that, that they'll find a way to, to make that happen because they won't want a disruptive influence in, in the camp you know I fully agree with both of you I feel like that Bordeaux does sort of um, make sense there and I feel like that's what Koscielny wants at the end of the day and hopefully it's dealt with as quick as possible so um, it's not as ugly as it already seems but I feel like that's enough for us to wrap up for today so um, it was good it was good talking to you guys I hope um, you guys at home have enjoyed listening to it wherever you are and um, it's a goodbye from us and we'll speak about all the transfer news that happens in the coming week and we'll we'll see you next week Shalom. <laughs> Goodbye. See you next week.